Good evening, family. Good evening. I'm excited that you're here with us on this Thursday evening. Where my QR2 Prophecy Edition people at? Thank you guys for coming through and worshiping with us. I'm excited about what God has in store for us this evening. Listen, God has been good to us. Go ahead and press that share button as we're starting, as we're launching into our worship experience tonight. Make sure you share this with all of those with whom you are in connection. Let the world know that God is moving here at the Quarantine Revival Part 2 Prophecy Edition. I want to go ahead and, and welcome my co-host on into the virtual building. Where is my friend? Where is that energetic, effervescent man of God? Is, is Cat? There he is. <laughs> man, what's going on? North Carolina is in the house. Listen, I appreciate you for coming through. I actually saw some people in the comments, and I want to go ahead and give a couple of shout outs because, oh, who was this, uh, Pastor G? Dear Phil, keep hey. coming to the building every Absolutely. single night Dear Phil represents. What about this right here? Oh, Lord, oh, wow. here we All go. All the way from Bermuda. All right. Bermuda wow. is, uh, they're always in the house wrecking the virtual sanctuary. Let's go. Oh, it looks like we got somebody from Orlando. Orlando. We know that individual right there. That's in Florida already. Yes, sir. We got folk all over the United States coming through. Uh, we got people there coming from where the president live. I see you. I see you. Folks right, right. Town in the house. I got you. Absolutely. I saw some people all the way from New York. I see some people from Roanoke, Virginia. Listen, we celebrate all of you for coming through this evening. Pastor G, how you feeling? Man, I'm feeling great, man. I, I, I'm just in a, in a space right now where I just got to accept what God, where God has me and what God has me doing. Um, yeah. I, I was just thinking, you know, sometimes we get down about where God puts us, about the situations we're in, about the circumstances of our life. But the reality is, man, if God got us here, what are we supposed to learn right here? What are we supposed to be doing right here? I'm right. watching the QR revival too, and I'm seeing that you've been doing what God has you to do in this climate. And so I'm grateful to you for doing what God called you to do. What are we doing? Listen, well, I'm grateful that you're a part of it, that you're partnering with us and that you're here with us this evening. Listen, we don't just have people who come and worship with us, people who just come in and receive the word and and are just viewers. No, we got people who are partners because you all have not just been showing up to receive the word. You've been giving, That's you've right. been sowing, and you've been blessing people's lives. Folk who are in financial crisis during this season, you all have given close to $9,000 thus far. As a matter of fact, I think we crossed the $9,000 mark recently. So we're closer to $10,000 that you have given that has, has gone out to people all over the world who are struggling in this season of financial crisis. And Pastor G, I cannot, I can't thank our viewership, our virtual uh, worshipers with us this evening. I can't thank them enough, man, for being so generous and sacrificial. Man, it's something about giving to something where you know exactly where it's going to. It's yeah. not going through five different degrees of separation before it trickles down to the person that needs it five months later, but it's going directly to the person that you know it's going to in its totality. And I, I, I applaud you for, for, for setting up a system where that's able to happen. We talk about systems, but mm -hmm. this is a good one. This is a system that works. You, you use your PayPal, you use your Cash App, and it goes directly to the person who you wanted to go to. Yep. PayPal.me slash the Q Revival. On Cash App, it's dollar sign the Q Revival. And if you don't have Cash App or PayPal, you can go to www.thequrevival.com. 
Yes, sir. And again, thank you all for giving so sacrificially. Uh, we've been blessing single mothers um, who just recently had their babies. We've been blessing families. One family in particular had a fire and everything that they owned was destroyed. But you all blessed them with a thousand dollars. You blessed another family um, who is struggling now. They're, they're, they're immigrants from a different country and they're here and they're trying to make it through. And let me tell you something, you blessed them with a thousand dollars as well. God has just been blessing so many people. And again, we celebrate you. We thank you. Listen, I think we have somebody else in the virtual building. Let's see if Dr. Doggett, the sensei is here with us. Is it? Oh, here he is. Sensei. Good evening, What's sir. What's going on, guys? What's going on, guys? Oh, I say Tagia, with you here and with our host and founder, JD, it's going to be another good night. And I think it's going to be fun, too. Good gospel yeah. fun. That's good. It's, it's yeah. okay to have fun, Dr. Doggett, Sensei? It you is okay what? to have fun. I don't think there's a text against it. So I okay. think we ought, ought to leave it open for the possibility that it might be a good thing to have some fun. In fact, there's a text that says at his right hand are pleasures mm -hmm. evermore. There's That's another good. text that says laughter does good like a medicine. So I'm thinking it's probably a good thing to have fun. That's oh, yeah, good. we need those endorphins. We do. We do. Well, Sensei, Sensei, I want to go ahead and provide the people with a sneak peek. This is the first time, Pastor G, that we're going to release not just the silhouette of the preacher, but now we're teaming the silhouette of the preacher along with the silhouette of the singer that is going to take place on this upcoming Saturday night, our QR mystery night. Should we give them a quick sneak peek? Okay, let's do yes. this. So here it is. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first look at the mystery psalmist and the mystery preacher. Some of y'all have been sending in who y'all think the preacher is. And I'm a little upset because most of y'all have gotten it right. As a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty easy to guess who that preacher is, especially if you're Adventist. But then this psalmist, see, this is where it gets tricky. Y'all don't know who that psalmist is. And I want you guys to know that you can win $100. We want to gift it to you. We want to be benevolent. We want to uh, bless you for for participating and worshiping with us. So if you're able to guess both the preacher and the psalmist, you get $100 and three devotionals that we'll send over to you to bless you in your uh, development. Again, this is your sneak peek. Some of y'all are going to take a snapshot of this. You're going to screenshot it just so that y'all can go to sleep and pray that God would help you to guess this thing right. Dr. Doggett, I'm excited about this Saturday night. It's going to be a blessing. I am geeked about Saturday night. I see people, you know, they're they're putting it on there right now, talking about is it Jules? Is it Abraham Jules? <laughs> oh, but we're not going to tell you. It could be that during this COVID season, somebody else grew longer hair. You don't know. You it don't know that. Be, but maybe it's people. not. Yeah. Look at all of but them you know talking what? about Jules. Listen, I'm on. Listen, I'm on against the musician. If I get it, man, can I get partial credit? Can I get no. just one devotional? <laughs> oh, just one? See, and that, okay, here's the deal. I've been getting a lot of uh, messages from people every single week, and they'll guess one of them right, and they'll say, oh, I got one of them, so I, I'll get, let me get $50. Just give me 50 I just want half. And no, guys, listen, you can't guess one or the other. You got to guess both and, and then you'll get that $100 prize. Again, we want to bless you. It's a blessing. We're being benevolent here, y'all. Um, and we, again, appreciate you guys for participating. Lord, I see all these folks talking about jewels. Listen, Dr. Doggett, Pastor G, we had a good time last night. We had a good time oh, last night. 
Uh, Pastor Mike Kelly came through and he wrecked the house. He gave a great Ooh. word. But every night we like to give Dr. Doggett, our sensei, our moderator, an opportunity to just share what's on his heart as we're dealing with this very sensitive and important uh, topic of prophecy. So Dr. Doggett, go ahead and share with us what's on your heart tonight. Yes, here, here it is. Here's what's on my heart tonight. We have a text of scripture, Matthew 24, that is always used as the prophetic passage talking about the end of time. What I love about that passage that is often um, omitted and overlooked is that there are a lot of terrible things going on in the world that's talked about in Matthew 24. But you have this little statement and statements like it throughout, but the end is not yet. In other words, the world is a bad place. There are good people in the world. The spirit of God is moving, but the world is a bad place that is going to get progressively worse. But what I find in Matthew 24, 14 is the sign as to when the Lord will return. A little context in Matthew 23, you have Jesus casting woes on the way the church is doing business. Matthew 23, there's seven woes of Jesus saying, I don't like the way you're doing business as my church. Matthew 24 rolls around. The world is going to get worse and worse, but the end is not yet. In the 14th verse of Matthew 24, these words are found. That, that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness unto every nation, and then the end will come. Now, Jesus specifies it will be the gospel of the kingdom that will be preached. There was a gospel being preached back then, but it wasn't his kingdom gospel. What is his kingdom gospel that's going to be preached, and then the end will come? Matthew 23, he says, you're not getting it right. Matthew 24, he says, when you get it right, I'm going to come. Matthew 25 says, first of all, that you've got to have the spirit of God when you're going to do it right. That is the oil, the virgins who have the oil make it. And then those who use their gifts, those are the ones who are really spreading the gospel. And how are they using their gifts? All this is Matthew 25. Those who visit the sick, those who take care of the ones in jail, those who are feeding the hungry, those who are clothing the naked, those who are caring for the immigrants or the strangers and taking them in. That's how he says, I want you to do it because I'm going to divide up the saved and lost based on you doing that. In the 23rd chapter, you're just a, a church that has a hierarchy and a lot of protocols and policies. In 24, I said, don't get discouraged. Eventually, you're going to get it right. In 25, he says, here's how you get it right. You start having a practical, hands-on gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom, where you're helping those who are in need and then telling them, I did it because Jesus loves you, and I'm just one of his representatives. He wants you in his family. So that is the sign that we're getting it right when we get involved in social justice, lifting those who are down, doing what Jesus said he came to do, setting captives free. That's the gospel. When we start preaching it, then Jesus will come. That's the sign of the end. And I think we're in that day and time because people are not sitting in church buildings anymore, but they're getting out and they're starting to be the hands, the voice, the arms, the feet of Jesus. And when that happens, he says, okay, you got it. I'm coming. So that's my word for this evening. Let's be that active church that preaches the gospel of the kingdom. 
which is nothing like the hierarchical gospel of Matthew 23. It's the gospel of Matthew 25. That's my word this evening, and that's all I've got. Well, that is a word. That's a word. <laughs> I see Pastor G over there just shaking his head. He was soaking it up. Man, I'm yeah. ready to preach. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I felt something. I, I felt something crawling up my spine when I was listening to it. That was good stuff, and we appreciate that that perspective. We're not supposed to be looking at all these signs as an indication that, okay, God is coming back. As a matter of fact, no, there is a sign. And that sign is when the gospel goes out. And I appreciate that, Dr. Doggett, for you giving us that very unique perspective. Now, listen, listen, listen. We do have a preacher who is in the house. This preacher is a man who has many gifts. And we're excited that he is here. Dr. Doggett, I know you know him well. Uh, Pastor G, I know you as well. Have been blessed by his ministry. I'm going to go ahead right now and give Pastor G an opportunity to go ahead and introduce our speaker for the evening, after which we'll say a word of prayer. We'll hear our song of, of preparation, and then we'll hear Thus Saith the Lord. Who do we have preaching tonight? Tonight Pastor we G. have Roger Hernandez. He is a father of four, a husband of one, and a pastor to many. He's a third generation Christian Seventh-day Adventist, one of five pastors in his family, a prolific writer of over 14 books, including the Sharon Book of the Year, twice, and the Disciple Book of the Year called Everyone Welcome, a practical, engaging speaker that has spoken all over the world. His main desire is showing the relevance of Christianity to a world that needs it, especially the young generation. He speaks on leadership, evangelism, accountability, and diversity. He has a Master of Divinity from Andrews University. Listen, I have a Dodge, and, and, and when I got problems with my car, I take it to the Dodge dealer. When I have a problem because they specialize in seeing to vehicles like mine. Our speaker today is the Ministerial and Evangelism Director for, of the Southern Union. He specializes in preaching this kind of word. So if you come to the Quarantine Revival Prophecy Edition to hear a prophetic word, you've come to the right place. We're gonna pray, you're gonna hear some music, and then you're gonna get that word that you came for. Man, you're setting that thing up. I'm excited to hear the word tonight from Pastor Hernandez. Let's do this, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't mind, let's go to God right now in prayer. We're going to pray specifically for a few things, for financial blessing, that God would give peace in the midst of this chaos, and that he would encourage us, empower us, that he would give us wisdom and a heightened level of spiritual sensitivity to do what he's called us to do in these times. Let's go right now to God in prayer. Father in heaven, I'm thankful for this evening because you've positioned me to be the intercessor for your people. And tonight I'm praying that your spirit would rain on a bunch of changes to
take place in our communities. And, and we're trying, God, our very best to We love you in the name of Jesus. We pray this prayer. Amen and amen. Y'all, I just prayed and I don't know if y'all got the whole prayer or not, but I know that God heard and God is not just going to hear. God is going to answer and he's going to move on your behalf. So again, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to pray with you and for you. At this time, we're going to have our song of preparation. And after our song of preparation, we are going to hear from none other than Pastor Roger Hernandez. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Let's worship God now in preparation for the word.
At this time, we're going to invite Pastor Roger Hernandez into the virtual building. We thank you and we appreciate you for coming through. We're excited to receive this word. The floor is now yours. Thank you, Pastor Doggett. Uh, version one, version two, soon, soon coming version three. Thank you very much for the opportunity of sharing today. I'm, I'm excited to share uh, right after Pastor Kelly. Um, and I have been watching online. It's been a blessing to me. Just want to share a word tonight uh, from scripture. And the title that I have for my message is Abnormal Church. Abnormal Church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, guide our conversation today. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a phrase that I hear quite often especially with church people. And it's like this, it goes like this. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And if we're referring to church life, um, I'd rather not go back to the normal we used to have. I'd rather have abnormal church. Like what kind of normal are we referring to? Are we referring to the normal where 5% of the congregation shared their faith? If, if that's the normal we want to go back to, I want to have abnormal church. Uh, it, is, is the normal we want where 20% of the church gave 80% of the offerings? If that's the normal we want, I want abnormal church. Is, is the three-hour services that could have been done in an hour and a half the normal we want to go back to is, is a million announcements and zero baptisms. The normal we want to go back to is the normal where nominating committees are FBI wannabes. The normal we want to go back to um, uh, is arguments about what version of the Bible uh, is better rather than reading the Bible. You know what the best version of the Bible is? The one you read, bro. Um, what, what normal do, you, do we want to go to where Eurocentric worship uh, is holy, uh, but swaying side to side, bringing demons? That's a concept that's out there. I don't want to go back to normal. I want abnormal. What kind of normal are we talking about? The normal with that, the diet, dress, and drums were popular topics uh, where uh, racism, sexism, and classism were considered uh, just political topics. I don't want to go back to normal church. I want abnormal church. And if we're going to be doing that, and if we understand that we are a prophetic movement created by God for such a time as this, I want to share something with you today uh, from the book of First Kings, because there is a prophet there called Elijah that can teach the last church in the history of humanity some lessons. These lessons are going to help us to become abnormal. And in order to do that, we're going to go to this passage. Elijah is, is one of the most um, known prophets in scripture. Uh, he's introduced uh, with very little fanfare. He just thrust into the limelight. And in the book of First Kings, chapter 17, allow me to read 
uh, that passage for you. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation because it's English I can understand. And it says like this, Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither do no rain in the next few years except at my word. See, he's just thrust into the limelight. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Interesting choice of delivery systems. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerit Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat. This, uh, this was, of course, veggie meat. In the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So if we're going to be an anti-movement, and we want, we're going to experience abnormal church, there are three myths that must be eliminated. So if you want to just write there in your chat, eliminate it. These are three concepts, these three ideas, these three principles, these three values that we hold. Sometimes they're expressed verbally. Sometimes they're just implemented. These things have to disappear. And we learn from the story of Elijah, which is a symbol of an end time prophet. Three things. Number one, the first myth is this. God can only use methods that I know or approve. I want you to notice what kind of delivery system God uses to deliver meat to his prophet. First Kings chapter 17, verse 4. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens. Everybody say ravens. To supply you with food there. Ravens. If you are a student of a student of scripture, you will understand that ravens were unclean birds. And the way a clean and unclean operated is, is this way. If something clean touched something unclean, the clean does not make the unclean clean, but the unclean makes the clean unclean. So the moment that a raven touched meat. That meat became unclean. So God is using not Amazon delivery system, not DHL delivery system or UPS or USPS. He's using ravens. He's using an unclean animal to deliver meat to his servant. I am concerned. It always raises up my antennas when I hear somebody Say this expression, God can't use fill in the blank. God can't use that music, that rap music. He can't use that music with so much percussion. He can't use that person. He can't use a woman to preach. He can't use that young person, he cannot use that method. He cannot use that style. He cannot use that program. And what we do uh, when we say that is that we constrict God to a God in our image. 
if the God you serve always agrees with you in everything you do, then you don't serve a God that is higher and bigger and more awesome than you. You are serving a God that is made in your image. God does not always use methods that all I know or approve. If God can use a raven to deliver meat to his servant, surely he is big enough and has a greater imagination that we could ever possibly imagine. I, it raises my 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 spiritual antennas when I have when I see people. It's I know and and they, and they don't say it like possibly. They say they they affirm it. It's impossible that God will use that. God, I know I know what kind of music God likes. I know what kind I I I I, I know the, the the methods that He wants to to do. But the, the reason that that has happened is because we have fallen in love with our methods. And we have raised our methods and made it more important than our mission. And you cannot fall in love with your methods. Your mission is eternal, but your methods have an expiration date. So I, I am thankful when I go to a church and the music they're playing is not my preference. That's that means that, that somebody's being reached that is different than me. How boring life would be if we all thought that everybody has to confirm to the type of stuff that we like for church. I just want to give you permission in Jesus' name to explore, to invent, to innovate. God is a creative God. When we are creating, we are most like God. Why is it that we limit creativity? We stifle creativity. When somebody comes up with an idea, we say those famous last words of dying churches. We've never done it that way before. Okay, how about we do it now, though? How about we operate in a different wavelength? We live in a different time. Why are you so in love? with your methods we are so in love with our methods at the expense of people and when we fall in love with our methods what we're doing with our methods is that we're elevating them and we're idolizing them the problem though with idols is that they always demand the sacrifice of our children always demand the sacrifice of our children and how many times have we held on to a tradition that's all that's all that is a tradition that's what it's because yeah i remember when i lived in jamaica that's the way people put white gloves on and that, and i remember when i came from puerto rico and i remember in the church that i grew up in well this is not the church you grew up with it's a different world when, when people say well there's a lot of people searching for god you, you know what there's not a lot of people searching for god there's some people that need to understand that God is even practical because the image they have of Christians are intolerant bigots that don't care about social justice, that, that, that um, say that the white privilege uh, is white blessings. The image that somebody has about Christians is people that hate homosexuals, that, that, that do not allow women in positions of leadership, that, that we are most concerned about all the bad stuff that people are doing, that we want to get in people's bedrooms, and we're all concerned about all the bad stuff that the world is happening, and we are 
well known for all the things we oppose. So I'm, I'm saying to you, we are not to only be known for the things we oppose. We are have to be known for the things we are for. Like, what are you for? God is using a method to produce, to send a message to his servant. I can use whoever I want, however I want, in the way that I want it. And thank God, God is reaching multiple people in different ways. I I don't know why it is. I'm just going to be frank with you. It's just, you know, there's just... You and I, we're going to have a nice conversation today. I don't know why it is that, that sometimes in church world, we we criticize before we analyze. So criticism precedes analysis. The first thing, when somebody comes up with a new idea, the first thing we do is um, that must be some type of Jesuit conspiracy. Is that new age stuff? Because I never heard about that before. Like, who told you we had to run stuff by you, bro? Who 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 named you? Who died and named you Pharaoh? Who who said you're the arbiter of of all things holy? I'm looking at scripture and I'm seeing how God can have a donkey talk, can can have a stick become a snake, can feed his prophet with an unclean animal, and he can surely use different methods. So the first myth is going to be the end time movement that God is looking for. We have to say, we have to get rid of the myth that God can only use methods that I know or approve. Right? If you're still with me, you say amen if you're still with me. It's good. Uh, number two, second myth from the book of First Kings chapter 17. If For the ones of you who have joined us late, the second myth is... God can only use me where it's comfortable, where I am. This is what happened to Elijah. After a while, something interesting happened to him. First Kings chapter 17, verse 7 says, Sometime later, the brook dried up. Why don't you go ahead and write that down? Right there on your social media feed. The brook dried up. I'm 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 thinking and I'm asking you what kind of brooks have dried up in your life? What things are you comfortable with that God said that's over, man? That season who, who are you in love with that's already married with three kids that you're still hoping is gonna come back to you? It's it's over. He's not, he's not, she's not, it's over. What what why are you holding on to a past? That never was. That's keeping you from a future that's never going to come if you keep holding on to the past that never was. Why is that? What are the brooks that have died? I, I, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw out a couple of, of words. And I was sharing this with my uh, my uh, uh, coaching cohort, uh, Pastor Carriger, and several other pastors. We. Um, we have a cohort and we meet once a month. Now we're sharing with them these two words. I want to throw these two words out, right? Uh, if you want to write them down, it's fine. Um, the first word is disruption. And the second word is interruption. All right? Let, 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 let me just break, break those down. The first one is disruption. And the second one is interruption. 
the season we're in right now, this COVID-19, what is it? Is this an interruption? Which means uh, this is just a momentary pause where we just secluded in our homes, put our masks on, wash our hands 50 times a day, you know, smelling like vodka uh, in our hands, not, not your lips, don't start sun drinking that stuff. That's, we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, and, 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 and then at the end of three months or six months, we go back to the same life we had. That's an interruption. Uh, you, you, you put a pause, right? You put the movie in pause. You're watching Netflix. You put it in pause, and you go to the bathroom, get yourself a, a waffle, or get yourself a, a um, I, I love chocolate ice cream. It's my favorite. So you get yourself some chocolate ice cream, and you come back, and you press play. You, you press play, and the movie, it goes to the same place you left it in. Is that what we're experiencing right now? Is this an interruption? Or is this a disruption? A disruption means what used to be is not anymore. The world we used to have will never ever be the way that we used to have it. So I, I see a lot of church people thinking this is just an interruption. We're gonna get back to normal. We're gonna go back to the churches that we had and the worship that we had with the people that we have. We're just gonna go uh, like nothing ever happened. It's just gonna be a memory in the, from the past and we're gonna remember COVID-19 and everything that happened in 2020. We're gonna move on in 2021 and 2022. Church is gone we'll, and our life will go on as normal. I, I, I don't know what the future holds, but I would, uh, venture to guess that what we're, we're, we're coming into is not an interruption, it's a disruption. So what happened to Elijah in the brook was not an interruption, right? God shut that brook down. It dried up and it was not coming back. In, in times, listen, this is a word for somebody who's watching right now. If, if, if in times of disruptions, you don't make the necessary moves you are going to starve to death. You are going to have less resources where you are. Uh, we, we have grown comfortable in the places that we've grown, grown comfortable in. And maybe that's in a, in a relationship. Maybe, maybe that's in, in a location. Maybe that's in a job. But you know you were created for more. You know you could give more. But, but, but you have this job that sucks most of the time, but it pays the, the bills, but you don't want to go anywhere because going somewhere means you need to retrain and, and, and you need to, to leave some habits behind. You need to rearrange your time. So, so we, we often prefer the dysfunction we know rather than the healing we don't. It's, this, what happened to Elijah was a disruption. God rearranges the landscape and he's saying listen this brook that you used to is no longer going to happen this brook that you used to is dried up what is your brook what is the brook that you're holding on to so this is this is what i see sometimes in church world when, when a brook dries up okay when a program has run its course right when a ministry season has run its course uh, when 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 a church has run its course and needs to be shut down and started up again, right? Replanted. When 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 a relationship has run its course and the brook has dried, this is what happens. We we have a couple of scenarios. One, we start we start asking who's responsible for the brook drying, 
And then we look for, instead of looking for solutions and moving to the Jordan, who's right over the other mountain, we, we start blaming people. Yeah, the, the reason my church is the way it is is because of the pastor we have. The reason my church is the way it is is because of the people we have. The reason my church is the way it is is because we don't have good musicians. If we only had great musicians, if we only had a pastor that could preach better, if we only have somebody in our church who took care of the youth, if we had a youth pastor, if we had this, if we had that, and 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 and, and instead of, of addressing the real issue of the church, we start looking for people to blame. Instead of looking ourselves in the mirror and say, what can I do? How can I be an agent of change? We start looking, so who's responsible for the for the for the brook that has dried up? The other way that, that some churches do is that we we uh we bring trucks with water to create artificial brooks and, and we pump in the water. And for a season, it, it seems like everything is normal, but everything that you raise up, you have to sustain. But everything that God raises up, he will sustain, right? So if you have to artificially pump in the water and, 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 and try through, through gimmicks uh, to try to increase your attendance. The same way you brought him in is the same way you have to sustain him in. But if you bring him through Christ, I hear in Revelation where, where the, the, the end time movement people, they said that they followed the lamb wherever he went. At the end of time, we're not going to run after gimmicks and the last conspiracy theory. We are Christ over conspiracy. We're Christ over conspiracy. All of these, well, we got to, we, 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 what, what's the latest seminar? What, what's, the, what, what's happening at the Vatican? What's going on? And, and then, and, and we pump, right? And attendance grows for a couple of weeks and then goes back down because God is telling you, listen, sometimes programs have to die. Sometimes you have to need a change in direction. Sometimes a renewal has to happen. Sometimes you need different leadership in your church. Three myths. Three myths. It's going to be an end time movement, prophetic movement that God has called us to. Number one, the first myth, God can only use methods that I know are approved. False. Number two, God can only use me where I am. My daughter and his, my daughter and, and, uh, and her brother, my wife and I, we were, we were living in Oregon. And we lived in Oregon for 10 years. And one time a phone call came and they were inviting me to come to Atlanta. I knew nothing of Atlanta. All I knew of Atlanta is that there was a lot of traffic and it was hot. And I had no friends in Atlanta. And so initially I resisted the call. And I, and I talked to my, to my wife and said, well, maybe we should pray about it because I believe in the whatever prayer, right? I just, one word prayer, just whatever God, whatever, whatever it is that you want. So we started praying and God, God said, yeah, you, you need to go to Atlanta. And I told my son, my son said, let's go dad. And I told, I told my daughter and my daughter was 16 at the time. She just, she just got in her first car because I told her, if you don't have any boyfriends until you're 16, I'm going to give you a car. So I had given her a Honda Civic that was 15 years old, that car. She didn't know any better. She put a name to it and everything. And now she had a car and a boyfriend. Uh, I, I don't recommend this strategy to any of your parents. The strategy sucks. But that's she just had a boyfriend and a car. And she said, Dad, what do you mean move to Atlanta? 
I, I like it here. I, I'm comfortable here. I just had a boyfriend here. Well, why would God ask us to move again? This is just like Elijah. Elijah was like, you're going to be there? And then God said, okay, you got to move again. It's like, what's up? I thought, you, I thought I was supposed to wait here. But now I got to go to a widow's house, someplace I don't know. But we left. A week after we left Oregon, my daughter's boyfriend broke up with her, which I was very thankful for. I'm not Pentecostal, but I did deal with a little dance. And I was like, hey, um, I'm so sorry, baby. I'm so sorry that he broke up with you. I'm, I'm heartbroken for you. No boyfriend, new place, new school. So just wondering, okay, this, this brook over here that has dried up, what, is, what does God have for me in this season? He, she went to, to academy, met a young man called Jamil. Four years later, they were engaged. A year after that, they were married. They've been married for almost three years now. Both of them are in ministry. Yeah, her and him both together are in ministry. You know, girls can preach too. They can pastor too. They can lead too. Sometimes better than us. And now they're preparing to serve God. She's preparing to serve God with a man that loves her and that she loves him. And I ask her now, is it, was it a good decision that you made? She said, oh, dad, I didn't get it at that time. But that, that brook, that drive, God had a Jordan waiting for us on this side. See, this is a principle that I want you to get. Sometimes God allows temporary pain to bring permanent blessings. And this, this seemingly bad omen, a brook drying, is the catalyst so Elijah can move. To a widow's house where a young adult, listen, don't miss this, a young adult son dies and is raised up by him. How many miracles are we missing with our young people because we are unwilling to abandon dried up brooks? Ah, that's a word for somebody. You'll get it tomorrow. Here's, here's my last point. My last point is this. Myth number three. Because obedience doesn't save me, it doesn't matter. That's a myth. I, I, I think you have ample evidence. I mean, I'm a grace preacher. I love grace. I embrace grace. But I understand this. God saves me by grace, but blesses me by my obedience. I think there are some blessings that are only reserved for people who are walking in obedience because God could not give you what he wants to give you. If you're all crazy doing all your own things and not walking in his life, he can't give you some things. I mean, there are, there are blessings that are for everybody. Good, bad, evil, atheists, uh, uh, agnostics, uh, uh, believers, you know, sunrise, sunset. But there are some, I think Deuteronomy 28 is one specific passage that addresses that there are some things that are only reserved for people who walk in obedience. This is not legalism. The difference between obedience and legalism is not that one it walks in obedience and the other one is not. No. Obedience and legalism look the same. The difference is the motivation. 
An obedient person obeys because they know they've been saved. A legalist person obeys because they want to be saved. There's a difference, right? There's a difference between the two. So this myth that because obedience doesn't save me, it doesn't matter, is demolished in 1 Kings chapter 17, 21. Notice this. Elijah goes to a widow's house and lays on top of a young adult and of a young person and prays for him three times and the boy is resurrected. And this is what she says. Notice, he's a prophet. He's identified as a prophet. He said to her, I am a prophet. And, and he's living in her house for a period of time. But look at what she says when he performs the miracle. This is what she says. Then the woman said to Elijah, this is after the miracle, verse 24. Now I know, write that down. Now I know you are a man of God and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. How did she know? It wasn't enough for him to say, I am a man of God. It's not enough for him to declare, I am a man of God. I know a lot of stuff about God. I have a, head, a lot of head knowledge about God. It was through his deeds, to the way he operated, to his interaction with the supernatural. And you cannot interact with the supernatural when you're walking in disobedience with clear command of God. It's impossible. You can't do that. The problem is that we've reduced commands of God to things that are just personal preferences. And we make a lot of big issues about people not eating meat and, and dressing in long skirts. I've seen women in long skirts and the tongue as long as the skirt. It's like, you know, when they have to, when they, when they die, they're going to have to bury them in two different caskets, one for the tongue and one for them because they have a loose, loose tongue, men and women. Now, this concept, of, I now know that you're a man of God because of what of your deeds. I I, I want to share with you in conclusion, and that's that's sometimes a lie from pastors. That in conclusion, and then they preach for another thirty minutes. I'm not going to do that. I, I want you to write these two words down. One is real, and the other one is truth. Real and truth. Right? Elijah told the woman the truth. She said, he said to her, "I am a prophet." But it did not become real to her until he saw until she saw the miracle, right? You know there are things in life that are truth, but are not real yet, right? There's it's a truth, it's a universal truth that eating well is good for you. But in some of us, that has not become real yet because we love that sugar, right? We love that 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 sweet tea. We love so we know the truth. But it hasn't become real. We know the truth, but it hasn't become real. So what the world is interested in is not just necessarily in the truth. Because they'll say, yeah, that's your truth, and I have my truth, and everybody has their truth. That, that's what the world will answer. What, what is going to mess their minds up is when truth becomes real. Right? When, when the things that you profess is the things that, that you actually live out. When, when you say, yeah, I, I, I believe that everybody is created in the image of God, and then you're out marching for social justice, and they see you out in the street, not just concentrated in a building, singing songs about heaven, but trying to bring justice, 
now when they see you out in the street with things that matter to people when you're not having this you're having discussions and conversations about how the world is ending and how we shouldn't be out there protesting because the world is going to end anyway with that attitude the world just puts the mute button because we're not addressing what is actually real for people god is not just looking for people to understand the truth they're that he's asking for people to live it so what truth only becomes real when a supernatural impartation that's why it behooves us to live to live like christ to love people where they are how they are understanding that i can't change anybody just god can just because obedience doesn't save me it doesn't mean it doesn't matter now i want to end with this you know as i as i was looking and studying for the message today um i know there are some of you uh, who are like elijah in a transition point in your life a brook has dried and and, and that brook of religiosity has dried up like uh, you think about church and it seems like a distance uh, you think about God and spirituality, and this pandemic has not ha, has done a thing on your on your on your religiosity. And and I would submit to you that's that's one of the best things that could happen. That brook has dried because God is not just interested in a religion; He's interested in a relationship. And there are some of you, some of you that your brook has dried. There's a relationship that has dried. There's a job that has dried up. There's a season in ministry that has dried up. Right? There, there's there are positions and and uh, and decisions that have dried up uh and i'm maybe i'm speaking to somebody right now who's saying i'm i'm ready for for the move of god i don't know what's the next step but i'm not gonna hold on i'm not gonna pump any water into this old brook i'm ready for the new thing because i'm wondering to myself what miracles am i keeping myself from by not moving to the next assignment so i want to pray for you there, there are some of you you've been estranged from god because you've been estranged from god's people and you've been estranged from god because of god's people uh, because somebody at some point told you that your gift was not good enough and the way that you lived your life and they 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 showed you no grace it was all law and they used the bible as a mallet and not a map and and, and you if you grew up in a maybe I'm talking to somebody who's who's grown up in a very legalistic church. There was no grace. There was no water flowing. The brook had dried years ago, and 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 people just just around dry brooks. There's a lot of dust, and people are just fighting. It's very it's a very dusty religion. Um, I, I always say the following: uh, legalistic churches are atheist factories. Uh, when 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 there's no water flowing, we we just we just say we, I, I don't want that type of God. But I have good news for you. There's a river that's flowing. There's a miracle waiting for you. I'm, I'm going to invite you to come back to Jesus. There, there are some of you who are making this decision right now, and you're putting it right there in the chat. And it's like I need to come back to God. I, I need I need new water to flow through me. This 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 pandemic season has done something in my soul that that I, I want a deeper relationship. I just don't want to have the truth. I want it to be real for me, Pastor. I want it to be real in my life. I want to pray for you now. And whatever next step God wants you to be or God wants you to do, go ahead in faith. Because for an abnormal church, you need an abnormal faith. I want to pray for you now.
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you because you allowed some brooks to dry it up on purpose. Because that pain of that loss has driven us to you. On our knees, we ask. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask for assigning value to things that don't matter. We ask that you will forgive us for holding on to things that have no value anymore. And we ask that you will not just allow us to understand the truth, but for it to be real, for your spirit to become real, for your, our relationship with you to become real. We ask you, Heavenly Father, tonight, in the name of Jesus, that there's people right now that need to make decisions for you. They've been estranged from you. They, they were even churchgoers, but they have never met you. The God that is able to resurrect. The God that is bring, able to bring back to life. The God that is able to deliver me through a raven to a prophet. I'm praying for them, Heavenly Father, now. I'm praying that they will say yes to you. And as we come out of this disruption, we will embrace the new that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Peace out. Hey, man, Pastor Hernandez, I got to bring in Pastor G and Dr. Doggett Peace because this out. message. Oh, this wow. was it. This, oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, let me just say this. There's there's a link here that's on the screen. If you want baptism Bible study, you want somebody to reach out to you, pray with you, encourage you and, and push you forward, then please use this link. If you can't see this link, it's maybe too small on your phone, then go over to our website, www.thequerevival.com. And right there at the website, you press that that let's connect button and then we will reach out to you. Let's connect and we'll reach out. Man. Pastor, we're about to pray for you, but Dr. Doggett, Pastor G, please, please speak. I want to say one thing. Uh, preacher, you know, there, there's this phrase that's thrown around a lot. It's called um, present truth. And, you know, that's usually a, a phrase or a title that's used for a specific set of teachings that only a few people uh, subscribe to or are able to live up to. And the bottom line is what you did this evening was what I call present truth. It speaks to where we are what we've been about. It gives context to what God is doing. And I want to thank you. I've heard you preach before, and I've never heard you preach a dud, if I could use that term. But tonight <laughs> was extra special. extra special. You came straight down the middle with what I'm going to call a sermon that was present truth, and everybody had to feel it. And we're all called to change. I want to thank you for it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Doc, listen, when you start talking about those ravens, and I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. When you start talking about those Ravens and talking about, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's where I went. I said, "Yeah, I don't want no food for no Ravens." <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate all the imagery. I appreciate you bringing it home. Yeah. I, I preached that text three times, and I and still didn't do it the way you did it. Still didn't yeah. see everything you saw. So I just appreciate the word tonight. Yeah. Appreciate it, Doctor Doggett. Please take. Take us to the throne. If you would do us the honors, can you pray for this man of God right now? Let's pray, ladies and gentlemen. It would be a pleasure. It would be a pleasure. Father, I thank you so much for using Roger Hernandez again. You used him to bring souls to the foot of the cross. You allowed him to be an evangelist who has preached the truth that's found in your word in such a practical way. 
that people know, in fact, what it is you're calling them to do and who you're calling them to be. I do pray, Lord, that you would now renew his strength, that you would keep him mentally sharp, that you would touch his heart and give him the joy of service that increases each time he does this. May he never experience the fatigue of gospel ministry to the extent that he becomes uncreative. I do pray that you would continue to touch his mind and touch his soul and touch his spirit. Allow him to see fruit for the labors that he renders in your behalf. And I do pray that the message that was delivered tonight will stick with us and transform us in such a way that we will be that unusual kind of church that individuals have never seen before. I pray, Lord, that you would take him to higher heights and give to him even greater, uh, larger audiences to preach the truth to. And when you come again, may he and his family be saved, along with all of those he's had an opportunity to witness to and influence for good in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what, J.D.? People may not know this, but Roger Hernandez recently experienced an illness, and I was very afraid he wasn't going to be able to speak tonight. Uh, he actually had had a major uh, ulcer issue. And tonight, Roger, God did give you the strength to do what you were commissioned by him to do. And I want to thank you for being willing to accept this preaching opportunity, even though you were experiencing illness. In the midst of it, you said, I'll be all right. I'm going to be there and I'll be ready. And Lord God knows we're ready tonight. God is good. Thank yeah. you. Bless you, Pastor Hernandez. You have a great rest of the evening. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, tonight was a night. I do not need you to sit selfishly on this word. I need you to share this. This is one of those messages, man. God is just going high. He's taking us higher and higher. This is not just a phrase we're using. God is literally elevating us to new levels each night. And tonight was I saw you in the, I saw you in the comments. I saw you saying this word was for me. I saw you saying I need to shift and transition and embrace the the God favor filled future that God has for me. And listen, this message, if it was for you, I bet it's also for somebody else. So I dare you to share. Go ahead and and share this message. Make sure that others are able to get this word because man, this Doctor Doggett Sensei and Pastor G, this was a powerful, a oh, powerful yeah. word. I want oh, you guys yeah. to know that you have the opportunity to give. Let me remind you of where you can do so. Um, you can go over to the Cash App and you can uh, send your seed with the money sign, the corn, the Q Revival, the money sign, the Q Revival. You can go over to PayPal, use it at paypal.me, the forward slash the Q Revival. And then you can go to our website, www.thequrevival.com. And that's where you can use your debit card, credit card. Everything that you give will go toward helping somebody who's in financial need during this time. Man, oh, man, what a night. You guys get the final word before we play our outro. Ah, man, speak yeah, to me. I thought somebody was going to start putting it in the chat. But there's everybody had in mind specific ministries that they wanted to put in the chat when he was talking about the river drying up. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I took my hand away from the keyboard. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. It was, it was something we can all relate to, that's for sure. Yeah, he reminded us, stop playing in the mud of a dried up brook and get on over to where the Jordan River is flowing. Where mm. God's trying to move you is going to be more fruitful than where he had you. So don't mm. hang around these dry brooks any longer. Let's go. That's good. No more interruption. Allow God's dis. What is it? Disruption. 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 Ooh, never. Disruption. Man, that 
is good. God has great things in store for you. We again celebrate you and say thank you for worshiping with us tonight. Tomorrow night, we don't need you to miss it because we have none other than Dr. Pollard, Leslie Pollard, who's going to be here. He's the, the president of Oakwood University, and he's been all around the world preaching the gospel. And we're glad that he'll be with us tomorrow night here at the QR2 Prophecy Edition. Pastor G, you brought the energy again. Thank you for coming through, sir. Hey, man, no always, problem. always. All right. And I'm going to give you one more sneak peek before we play this outro of <laughs> our, our mystery speaker and our mystery <laughs> Psalmist, man, I got you guys sending us text messages, emails, comments. Y'all are already putting in your, your votes. And I'm not going to lie. I think yeah. I saw a winner already. <laughs> I think I saw a winner. $100 bill should be green, not orange. I, right. I thought that we were going to be able to hold on to our $100 this weekend. But I, I, don't don't know. Get, I don't know. We're going to have to send it out. I actually have to. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you guys again for coming through. God bless you. We're praying with you and for you. And remember the best is yet to come. <laughs>